33 new things we've learned about mitochondria. This podcast will summarize the recent science done on mitochondria, the, the hot stuff, along with some salient insights and knowledge coming out of the biohacker community online. Hey, this is Jonathan Roseland with Limitless Mindset, and in this podcast, I'm going to dive deep like a pelican trying to feed his little pelican family. And this is actually an article that a company sponsored, and then they did not ever publish the article. So I gave them some time, and I've taken the liberty of publishing it over there on LimitlessMindset.com. And yes, some of the articles and content that I put out are sponsored content. And just in case you're wondering, I do sponsored content in a high-integrity way. I always make it pretty obvious that it's sponsored content, and then I objectively deliver and interpret the relevant facts and information. I get to you the information that you need to know. And often in my sponsored content, I even include some critiques. I include some information that might make you a little bit skeptical of whatever the uh, ultimate product or offering is that some company might have that they're trying to funnel people towards. And I'll just share a little bit with you. Funnily enough, I've done this my my whole career, or at least as long as I've had LimitlessMindset.com. I've had companies that would pay me, uh, I don't know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, maybe more, to review their products or write articles relevant to whatever their offerings were. And I have pretty consistently included criticisms or have included reasons why you might not want the thing that is ultimately being offered through some links that appear on my website. I've even given products three-star, two-star ratings where the company paid for a listing on my website. And I have yet to have a company that was really sour about that. Mostly, they're just like, hey, thanks for doing an honest overview of whatever the thing is. So I just wanted to let you know about that. This article you are going to want to check out on LimitlessMindset.com, linked below wherever you are listening to this, because I have got some great diagrams to go along with this article. This whole topic of mitochondria and uh, your cellular biology, this really comes alive when you get the chance to oogle all of those all of those cool diagrams that I have organized. So do go and check that out. And of course, all of the links and references for everything backing up the conclusions that I reach here, you can also find those in that article. So with that preamble out of the way, 
Let's dive in. Impressively, in the past year, there have been over 230 scientific papers published specifically on mitochondria, including 11 clinical trials. Mitochondria is a hot area of research, and this article will not summarize every single one, otherwise we'd really be here for a while, but we'll summarize some of the more interesting findings of the current year. If you want to go even deeper into the state-of-the-art mitochondrial science and research, I'll recommend the book Mitochondria and the Future of Medicine, the key to understanding disease, chronic illness, aging, and life itself by Lee No. And I also enjoyed Headstrong by Dave Asprey, which is full of really actionable life hacks for optimizing your mitochondria for living the bulletproof life. That first book was pretty technical. If you really love science, then I recommend that one. If you're more into the pragmatic stuff, then Dave Asprey's book is better. So we'll start with discussing caloric restriction in healthy individuals. A North American study evaluated the effect of caloric restriction over 12 months in 51 people. It provided yet more evidence that fasting is a really smart idea. In fact, I am fasting today because I have to admit last night I had a indulgent pizza with my family here. It was good going down, but I'm going to give myself 24 hours to let my body deal with that avalanche of calories. There are three types of fasting that I recommend habituating. Someone might wonder, uh, the three types would be the 24-hour fasts, the intermittent fasts every day, 24-hour fasts once a week, and then doing a multi-day fast a couple times a year. Someone might wonder if decreasing intake of food markedly robs you of critical fuel that your mitochondria need and some of the gym bros out there might be thinking when I'm hitting the gym frequently I need to eat a lot more if I starve myself with fasting won't that hurt my gains and performance not really gym bros this study found that fasting will either not affect or improve your mitochondrial function in your muscles. And the study concluded, quote, in healthy, non-obese humans, caloric restriction has no effect on muscle mitochondrial function. However, having a more coupled versus less coupled phenotype enables caloric restriction-induced improvements in muscle mitochondrial function. And we'll move on to discuss resveratrol. I hope you've got a glass of red wine ready for tonight. 
an American placebo-controlled study of 30 older glucose-intolerant adults found after six weeks of dosing that mitochondrial number but not size was increased. But, quote, resveratrol treatment of older adults with impaired glucose regulation may have beneficial effects on vascular function, but not glucose metabolism or insulin sensitivity. Changes in gene expression suggest effects similar to those observed with caloric restriction. This kind of confirms what I've said elsewhere about resveratrol, that it does pretty much the same thing as fasting, but its benefits to otherwise healthy people is limited. And a Chinese study implied that resveratrol may be a healthy treatment for depression. The antidepressant action of resveratrol was accomplished through the interruption of mitochondrial oxidative stress and the prevention of cell apoptosis in the hippocampus. These findings support the potential for resveratrol as a possible pharmacological agent for depression treatment in the future. And unfortunately, this does not I don't think, give you license to knock back uh, five or six glasses of vino if you're feeling depressed. Uh, alcohol itself, of course, in the short term, in the very short term, it has an antidepressant effect, but in the long term, it's really probably not helping you. I think they're talking, the Chinese are talking about resveratrol supplementation, not going crazy with wine there. And I'll move on to discuss a new drug, because new drugs, that's always exciting, right? This one is called alampratide. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. A double-blind, placebo-controlled human trial of a new drug was conducted at Duke University, hey, I've been there, medical center. The heart is 25% by weight mitochondria. That's an interesting fact, right? Thus, mitochondrial dysfunction has a lot to do with heart failure. And this novel mitochondrial targeting peptide is something to watch. Quote, this is the first study to evaluate the new drug in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction and demonstrates that a single infusion of alampretide is safe and well tolerated. High dose alampretide resulted in favorable changes in left ventricle volumes that correlated with peak plasma concentrations, supporting a temporal association and dose-effect relationship. Further study of alamipretide is needed to determine long-term safety and efficacy. So they're saying that this peptide may pep up people's hearts if they need it. And that brings me to a discussion of mitochondrial nootropics. We love those, don't we? There have been at least three papers on mitochondrial 
nootropics, performance-enhancing supplements, and drugs like memantine and paracetam. From a paper on Alzheimer's out of Charles University in Prague. I've also been there. Good beer. In fact, amazing beer. Anyways, don't get me started on the beer. Let's, let's get back to the science. Quote, the direct effect of cognitives and nootropics used in the treatment of Alzheimer's on mitochondrial respiration is relatively small. The safest drugs in terms of disturbing mitochondrial function appear to be paracetam and rivastigmine. The MAOA inhibition Inhibition by cognitives and nootropics may also participate in mitochondrial neuroprotection. According to an Indian paper on paracetam and degenerative diseases, quote, paracetam treatment offered significant protection against lipopolysaccharide-induced oxidative and inflammatory parameters. Lipopolysaccharide administration caused augmented levels of reactive oxygen species and depleted mitochondrial membrane potential, which were attenuated with paracetam treatment. And if you're on my email newsletter, you know that I just found a legit source, uh, a legit North American, American source of paracetam of the really good stuff, because paracetam, it's the godfather of nootropics. It's a quintessential smart drug. It is safe and effective and efficacious, demonstrated in hundreds and hundreds of clinical trials. So, of course, the FDA is trying to make it hard for you to get your hands on it. A lot of companies have discontinued selling it, and I found one. And I shared it there in my newsletter. So that's yet another really good reason why you might want to join the Limitless Mindset newsletter. Anyways, a paper out of the University of Erlangen in Germany took a top-down approach by investigating several older anti-dementia drugs like paracetam and ginkgo biloba extract. These, quote, improve experimentally many aspects of mitochondrial dysfunction, including mitochondrial dynamics, and also improve cognition and impaired neuronal plasticity. The functionally most relevant consequences of mitochondrial dysfunction, and that German paper concluded, Drugs interfering with mitochondrial permeability transition poor function will improve not only mitochondrial impairment in aging and Alzheimer's disease, but also will have beneficial effects on impaired neuronal plasticity, the pathomechanism, which correlates best with functional deficits, cognition, behavior in aging and Alzheimer's disease. So you should be curious about paracetam if you're not already. Let's talk about mitochondrial eye drops. That's right. 
the eyes may be the windows to the soul because they contain a high density of mitochondria. Thus, eye problems and poor vision are consistently symptomatic of mitochondrial dysfunction. That's right. That's an interesting thing to keep in mind. A 70-patient trial was conducted in Russia, which evaluated a product, Visomitin, which has a restorative effect on vision with the following on-label clinical indications. Dry eye syndrome, initial stage of age-related cataract, cataracts and glaucoma, including their most bad choices, their most bad choices, like uh, like uh, like staying up past 4 a.m. That's a funny translation. We can always count on those from the Russians. Uvitis, enteral inflammations, and neurodegeneration. If your eyes, one of the most complex and impressive of, orga- of organs, require a lot of mitochondria, it makes sense to stick mitochondrially targeted antioxidants right in your eyes. And that's what I do. I use this product, Visomitin. It's uh, little eye drops. You have to buy them from Russia using cryptocurrency. I do link to that product in the article. And that really will make your eyes feel better after hours and hours and hours of staring at your glowing laptop screen. Moving on, I want to mention a product called MitoTempo. At least 40 scientific papers, that's pretty impressive, discussed a new drug. The mitochondrial targeting antioxidant MitoTempo. Without getting too hyperbolic, mitochondria targeting antioxidants are a really exciting new class of drugs that deliver exactly what your mitochondria need to the actual interior of your mitochondria. This is important because, to use a very crude metaphor, your mitochondria poop. They produce waste in the form of reactive oxygen species. And that poop needs to be cleaned up. Imagine if you had a toilet that you pooped in, but you never flushed it and your plumbing didn't work. It would eventually get backed up and be quite the problem, wouldn't it? And the same thing can happen to our mitochondria. Thus, targeted antioxidants have amazing potential for treating a host of diseases and conditions ultimately caused by mitochondrial dysfunction. According to a study out of Shanghai, mitotempo ameliorates renal fibrosis by alleviating mitochondrial dysfunction and endoplasmic reticulum stress which sheds new light on prevention of renal fibrosis in chronic kidney disease. In other potential clinical uses, or its other potential clinical uses, are wide-ranging from cancer therapy and neurodegenerative disease 
pathogenesis to depression and improving post-thaw sperm quality, as in cold sperm. So I'll, I'll keep some mitotempo handy for the uh, next time that I'm trying to uh, impregnate an Eskimo in her igloo. Which, which, of course, I wouldn't do, because I'm a, a faithful married man. But it was just such a good joke that I couldn't resist including it. If, if you appreciate that joke, if you appreciate my rapier wit there, then uh, be sure to, to upvote this, share this, you know, give this the, the algorithmic uh, boost that it deserves for the, the humor that I see fit to insert into these presentations of the science. Anyways, let's, let's get back to that science. An American study out of Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in Shreveport found it prevents brain damage and inflammation associated with stroke and nicotine usage. Mitotempo did not have an effect in control rats, but prevented the chronic nicotine-induced augmentation of ischemic brain damage and post-ischemic inflammation. This is relevant to those uh, like obese elderly smokers who are at risk for stroke. If they refuse to put down their cigarettes, they should at least pick up some mitotempo or even CoQ10 supplements. Speaking of CoQ10, which is short for coenzyme Q10. And this is the nootropic perhaps most well-known as the as a mitochondrial supplement. Impressively, in the past year alone, there have been over 140 papers published specifically about it. A joint team of Swedish and Norwegian publishers put out a very encouraging follow-up to a double-blind, placebo-controlled study conducted 12 years ago. The original study gave selenium and CoQ10 to 443 older Swedes for four years. None of the elderly Swedes had died of cardiovascular conditions. This is especially impressive considering the, the large quantity of study subjects, 443 of them, and none of them died. The study found that more than a whole decade later, taking the CoQ10 and selenium was still helping the Swedes. Quote, even after 12 years, we observed a significantly reduced risk for cardiovascular mortality in this group, as well as in subgroups of patients with diabetes, hypertension, ischemic heart disease, or impaired functional capacity. The protective action was not confined to the intervention period, but persisted during the follow-up period. So this suggests that taking CoQ10 now will do you good in the years and decades to come. 
especially if you combine it with selenium. And Dr. Lee No, the author of the book I mentioned earlier, is a huge fan of CoQ10. He explains its mechanism. CoQ10 is an antioxidant, a membrane stabilizer, and a vital component in the mitochondrial electron electron chain, I think is what that algorithm is short for. It also regulates gene expression and apoptosis, is an essential cofactor of uncoupling proteins and permeability transition pores, and has anti-inflammatory, redox, modulatory, and neuroprotective effects. Now, there's a catch to CoQ10. Important to keep in mind. It's not very bioavailable. In fact, some forms of it are pretty useless. I'll quote from Dr. Lee again. Unfortunately, absorption of this rather large fat-soluble molecule is challenging, which is a main factor limiting its therapeutic use. Research has shown that oil-based formulations, typically soft gels, are much better observed, and water-dispersible liposomal or pre-emulsified formulations are even better. Ubiquinol, reduced CoQ10, seems to offer much better absorption than ubiquinone, which is the oxidized CoQ10. And water-soluble, solubilized (laughs) ubiquinol is even better than absorbed. So you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say, man? Okay, okay. You don't need to remember all that. All you need to do is go and check out the sources that I have linked in this article. I've got three sources, actually, that measure up to these these high standards so that you're making sure that you're putting the very best stuff in your body. A preliminary Italian study confirmed that water-soluble CoQ10 helps women suffering from fibromyalgia. Quote, our results show that compared to a control group, administration of CoQ10 significantly improved most pain-related outcomes by 24 to 37%, including fatigue and sleep disturbances. These results confirm the considerable role played by CoQ10 in reducing pain, fatigue, and sleep disturbance in subjects affected by fibromyalgia. As the research advances, more and more scientists and biohackers agree that supplementing a bit of CoQ10 is a smart idea for almost everybody over age 35. And wow, I just had my birthday. I'm now 36. Wow, the the years are passing by. If you want to go and take a look, you want to go and check out my Instagram and take a look at the picture of me and my wife on my birthday, you'll say, hey, he looks pretty good for 36. And so I'm, uh, I appreciate your, your applause and, and upvotes if you, if you choose to go and check out my Instagram. But I should probably start thinking about including some CoQ10 in 
the daily stack. Methylphenidate, a mitochondrial hack for ADHD. A Chinese paper noted that the ADHD drug and uh, ostensible smart drug, methylphenidate benefits our mitochondria. Quote, our results show that low doses of methylphenidate play protective roles in maintaining mitochondrial homeostasis in response to hypoxia-induced oxidative stress. Our findings may provide novel insight into the mechanisms of methylphenidate in the treatment of ADHD and shed light on the disease mechanisms of ADHD, but I would not suggest going out there and getting some methylphenidate just to try a new smart drug unless you actually have ADHD. There's there's better smart drugs. I would direct you to try paracetam, which I discussed earlier. Next, we'll talk about PQQ. Good luck trying to properly pronounce what PQQ stands for. That's what we're going to roll with here. This supplement is worth your attention because it actually stimulates the genesis of new mitochondria. Quote, traditionally, it was believed that generating new mitochondria, mitochondrial biogenesis, could only occur as a result of strenuous exercise or extreme calorie restriction which is why research on PQQ is so exciting. Early in 2010, researchers found PQQ not only protected mitochondria from oxidative damage, uh, it also stimulated the growth of new mitochondria. A Japanese study concluded, our results suggest that PQQ inducible mitochondrial biogenesis can be attributed to activation of the CERT1 PGC1A signal pathway by enhancing cellular NAD plus formation. If you don't have the budget for fancy mitochondrial supplements, quality dark chocolate is a good supplemental source. Oh boy, this talk of dark chocolate is, is, is not good. It's not what I should be engaging in during a fast. So we'll move on to discussing B vitamins. And they are an underrated class of crucial mitochondrial supporting vitamins. Dr. No explains, of all the nutrients defined as true vitamins, the ones that have the greatest direct impact on cellular metabolism and energy production are collectively known as the B vitamins. This group is made up of numerous distinct nutrients, and each is either a cofactor in an important metabolic process or a precursor of an important energy-related molecule. Interestingly, in 2017, a joint team of American, Canadian, Swedish, and Chinese researchers conducted a human crossover study on air pollution's 
insidiously toxic effect on our genes and mitochondria. I'll quote from the study. Air pollution is a major public health concern worldwide. The molecular mechanistic underpinnings of the health effects of air pollution are not fully understood. And the lack of individual level preventative options represent a critical knowledge gap. Our study demonstrated the epigenetic effects of air pollution and suggested that B vitamins might be used as prevention to complement regulations to attenuate the impact of air pollution on the epigenome. So I'd urge you to go and check out the air pollution index for your city and prepare to be horrified. I do have a link in the article over to uh, numbio.com, which is the website that I use for this sort of thing. And if it's, if it's bad, don't freak out, or maybe do freak out a little bit. Just be sure to supplement B vitamins, folic acid, B6, and B12, especially. So we'll move on to discussing creatine. It's a well-known supplement that's often unfairly characterized as something just for gym bros because it helps them get bigger, but actually it's a bona fide mitochondrial nootropic because the brain and nervous system require such high amounts of energy, it's logical to assume the neurological system can benefit greatly from creatine. And this is being corroborated by clinical research. A growing number of studies have found that creatine can protect the brain from neurotoxic agents, and certain forms of brain injury. A notable double-blind placebo-controlled creatine study was completed at the University of Sao Paulo Medical School in Brazil, totaling 18 bipolar patients dosed with 6 grams of creatine daily for 6 weeks. The premise of the study was that, quote, novel treatment approaches that target clinical and cognitive aspects of bipolar depression are needed. And research on pathophysiology suggests that mitochondrial modulators such as the nutraceutical creatine monohydrate might have a therapeutic role for this condition. A notable finding was that there was a statistically significant difference between the treatment groups of the change on the total scores after six weeks in a verbal fluency test. So they're suggesting that it's a biohack for verbal intelligence, at least for those with bipolar depression. And it concluded, our trial, which was the first to investigate the cognitive effects of creatine monohydrate 
on bipolar depression indicates that supplementation with this nutraceutical for six weeks is associated with improvement in verbal fluency. And we'll move on to discuss magnesium. A paper out of the University of Glasgow explores the crucial role magnesium plays in the maintenance of telomere homeostasis. Quote, telomere homeostasis is tightly linked to cellular metabolism and in particular with mitochondrial physiology, which is also diminished during cellular senescence and normative physiological aging. Inherent in the biochemistry of these processes is the role of magnesium, one of the main cellular ions and an essential cofactor in all reactions that use ATP. Magnesium plays an important role in many of the processes involved in regulating telomere structure, integrity, and function. This review explores the mechanisms that maintain telomere structure and function, their influence on circadian rhythms, and their impact on health and age-related disease. So, Unless you supplement magnesium regularly, you're probably deficient, especially if you drink a lot of coffee. Bad news. Coffee drinkers better supplement some magnesium. Quote, magnesium is likely one of the most underrated minerals, and most people are just not consuming enough of it. One reason most are deficient in this mineral is that water softeners, while great for making your faucets shiny, has reduced the water's hardness by removing minerals such as magnesium. Then there's our rising caffeine intake, which increases the amount of magnesium we lose through urine. All these factors contribute to the alarming statistic that 70 to 80% of the developed world population is deficient in magnesium. With that bad news out of the way, we'll discuss D-ribose. Your heart especially requires a lot of mitochondria, and this relatively unknown mitochondrial supplement, D-ribose, optimizes and normalizes cardiac function. Quote, D-ribose is finding utility and acceptance in cardiac surgery. The heart is one of the organs that respond most favorably to D-ribose supplementation. Supporting the heart's ability to preserve and rebuild its energy pool by supplementing D-ribose is one of the first steps in restoring energy efficiency in any cardiovascular condition. Studies have shown it is effective in improving cellular energetics in congestive heart failure, coronary artery disease, and angina. A 2017 American study identified it as an exercise performance and recovery biohack. 
It was a double-blind crossover trial of 26 healthy subjects. They did 60 minutes of high-intensity exercise, and VO2 max was quantified. And they were dosed on 10 grams of D-ribose daily. The study posed recovery from these lower ATP levels can take days, which can affect performance on subsequent days of exercise. Untrained individuals often suffer the stress and consequences of acute repeated bouts of exercise by not having the ability to perform or recover uh, sufficiently to exercise on subsequent days. And the study concluded D-ribose supplementation in the lower VO2 max group resulted in maintenance in exercise performance, as well as lower levels of rate of perceived exertion and creatine kinase. Next, let's discuss MitoQ. Maybe you've seen this around in the biohacking sphere. In the past year, there have been over 10 scientific papers published about the branded antioxidant technology MitoQ. A study of 20 older healthy Americans done at the University of Colorado, hey, I've been there, found that it's a vascular system hack that outperformed a placebo. Quote, excess reactive oxygen species production by mitochondria is a key mechanism of age-related vascular dysfunction. Our laboratory has shown that supplementation with the mitochondrial targeted antioxidant MitoQ improves vascular endothelial function by reducing mitochondrial reactive oxygen species. These findings in humans extend earlier preclinical observations and suggest that MitoQ and other therapeutic strategies targeting mitochondrial reactive oxygen species may hold promise for treating age-related vascular dysfunction. They must really like to drink at the University of North Carolina because even the mice get drunk there. Yes, that's right. Or at least they did in an interesting study that demonstrated MitoQ is something of a boozing biohack. Um, that it mitigates the damage that toxic acetylhyde does. Acetylhyde is what the alcohol converts into in your system after you've enjoyed a drink. I'll quote from that study. MitoQ also reversed alcohol-induced hepatic lipid accumulation through enhancing fatty acid beta oxidation. Alcohol-induced endoplasmic reticulum stress and apoptotic cell death signaling were reversed by MitoQ. This study demonstrated that speeding up acetylhyde clearance by preserving 
ALDH2 activity critically mediates the beneficial effect of MitoQ on alcohol-induced pathogenesis at the gut-liver axis. But MitoQ research is not limited to the Anglosphere. MitoQ discusses how it regulates healthy autophagy. And I've got a big diagram of that. And I'll add that I really love it when companies that have some sort of branded anti-aging uh, product or drug and innovation like MitoQ, I really love it when they actually sponsor clinical double-blind placebo-controlled research on their products. You know, there's a lot of uh, alternative, alternative health kind of products that are out there that have a lot of anecdotal evidence for them. You can go on YouTube or you can go out there in the, the forums and you can find a bunch of people talking about how amazing they are, but they lack this clinical evidence. And this creates this opportunity for bad actors out there, for uh, shills, frankly, out there to say that, oh, all this natural health stuff is, uh, it's just all anecdotal. It's just all placebo effect. You know, you should, you should take big pharma drugs instead. You should listen to the science. So I really do appreciate it when some sort of innovative thing like uh, MitoQ, when they sponsor that research, when that research gets, gets funded so that then we can say, yes, we're looking to the science. And it says that, it says that there's a, uh, solutions for improving health that are outside of the pharmaceutical industrial hospital complex that are outside of that whole that whole world. Next, let's discuss mitochondrial function and cramping. A Norwegian trial of 28 patients drew a connection between the mitochondria and intermittent claudication which is a painful muscle cramping condition that makes it difficult or impossible to walk. And it concluded, changes in walking performance seem to relate to changes in mitochondrial function after exercise. Furthermore, relationships between changes in peak walking times and mitochondrial respiration seem to exist. So if you suffer from frequent cramps, you'd want to look into mitochondrial supplementation. Next important point to take away from this is that mitochondrial nootropics take time. From time to time, frustrated nootropic users will contact me complaining that they've tried different popular nootropics like modafinil, paracetam, etc. But they are still suffering from debilitating fatigue, anxiety, or memory deficits despite having good lifestyle habits and diet. Maybe the smart drugs worked a little or temporarily, but they were far from transformative. And I always respond to these people, letting them know this is likely a case of catastrophic mitochondrial dysfunction. The studies on the mitochondrial support supplements indicate 
that repairing the function of this foundational energy generation system takes time. It could take six months or more of dosing something like CoQ10 to turn things around. So if you go and order some of these mitochondrial things that I talk about on this podcast because you want to fix or address different health issues, please do so with realistic expectations. Next, let's talk about mtDNA and knee osteoarthritis. There were two meta-analysis papers published in 2017 by the same researchers in Spain on the topic of how mitochondrial DNA, that's the DNA that you get from your mother, is implicated in the arduous condition of knee osteoarthritis, which is arthritis of knee bones and joints. These people are not playing a lot of basketball. A meta-analysis paper is a paper that analyzes other studies and research that's been done. So it's a bigger bigger picture view. This meta-analysis looked at over 3,200 cases, wow, and drew a connection between a genetic haplogroup with more mitochondrial function and the risk of developing osteoarthritis. Next, we'll talk about verse leukemia. There were 26 papers published in the last year looking at the connection between the disease, leukemia, and mitochondria. A study of 26 Australian leukemia patients identified mtDNA mutations as a major cause of the disease. Quote, somatic mitochondrial DNA, that's the mtDNA, mutations have been identified in many human cancers, including leukemia. When patients with leukemia achieve remission, the remission peripheral blood may be a suitable and easily accessible control tissue. But this approach has not previously been applied to the study of mtDNA mutations. An Argentinian paper comments on autophagy. Autophagy plays different roles depending on the type of pathology. In leukemia cells, it has been demonstrated that autophagy could be either detrimental, leading to an increase of the apoptosis rats, or protective, acting as a key process that augments proliferation and survival of cancer cells. And Dr. Lee No clarifies what apoptosis is. When properly executed, Apoptosis is a well-orchestrated process of cellular self-destruction. Silently in the human body, about 10 billion cells are lost by this process every day. Wow. An in vitro Chinese study concluded that ginsenoside could be a helpful treatment 
Quote, in conclusion, these findings suggested that GRH2 and GRG3 induce mitochondrial-associated apoptosis by increasing mitochondrial ROS in human leukemia Jercat cells. GRH2 may be more effectively inhibit cell growth and accelerate apoptosis than GRG3. This study provides a potential novel strategy for the treatment of acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So that is just all the more reason to follow the Chinese grandma's advice and take some Panax ginseng. That stuff's great. And I'm moving towards my conclusion here. We'll discuss pharmaceuticals versus mitochondria. An increasing number of researchers are alarmed that popular pharmaceuticals have serious side effects on our mitochondria. And I'll quote from Lee No's book, with the increasing use of pharmaceutical medications, there has been a rise in health conditions linked to mitochondrial dysfunction. And mitochondrial dysfunction is increasingly implicated in the etiology of drug-induced toxicities. Despite this, testing for mitochondrial toxicity is still not required by the FDA of the United States. Health Canada or any other regulating body responsible for drug approval, I would say irresponsible. Medications can damage the mitochondria both directly and indirectly. So that's my deep dive, like a pelican, on the state of mitochondria. I am I'm optimistic about all the science that's been that's that's being done on it. I think that the we're moving into a smarter paradigm of biology where we are recognizing that disease, that nearly all disease, is downstream from dysfunctional cellular metabolism. We are finally, I think, kind of getting to a point of maturity with medicine where we're recognizing the, the root cause that underlies all these different diseases that uh, seems such a vast proportion of the population finds themselves stricken with. So I'm optimistic that the word is uh, that the word about making your mitochondria happy and that in turn being able to enjoy long life and good health, that that is trickling on down to the the general population and we might see a world that is that is healthier if they are taking care of their mitochondria properly. And I am curious what you guys and gals out there out there are doing for your mitochondria. What what clever little biohacks have you figured out that are making a difference for you? Drop me a message on social media, a comment or even send me an email via my website letting me know what you're up to. I'm always curious about those things 
If it's something especially cool, you can count on me to blab about it and tell the whole world about it. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, looking forward to a continued conversation with you.